Hello and welcome to the RBC Broadview Campus Sermon Podcast. Our mission here is loving God, loving people and seeing lives change. At RBC, our heart is to build a Jesus-centered community to see lives changed in multiple languages and locations. We hope you enjoy this message from one of our weekend services. To find out more about us, please visit our website, rbc.org.au. Andrew started a series on the Holy Spirit last week where he talked about the Holy Spirit being represented as fire when um, the, all the apostles were gathered in the upper room in Jerusalem and Jesus, after, as he ascended to heaven, said, stay here and I will send you the Holy Spirit. And so they were all baptised in the Holy Spirit and many of them spoke in tongues and people thought they were drunk. So we celebrated Pentecost, the birth of the church, last weekend. Pentecost comes from the Greek word, Pentecost Day, which means 50th. And it refers to the festival of harvest or the feast of weeks, which the Jews always celebrated 50 days after Passover, which is now when we celebrate Easter. So this is where we get the word Pentecostal from. If you've heard of a Pentecostal Christian, it means they've been filled with the Holy Spirit and they operate in the power and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now the Holy Spirit or God's Spirit is part of what is commonly known as the Trinity. We serve a triune God, God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. One God, three persons. The Trinity or the triune God is a confusing concept for some people it's it's hard to get your mind around it like our limited finite minds just can't comprehend and understand and so you'll find a lot of people refer to the holy spirit as it or as an object but this isn't correct the holy spirit he is just as much god as god the father and god the son one god three persons in Genesis 1.27, we read that we are made in the image of God. And I think the best description that we can use, Apostle Paul talks in 1 Thessalonians 5.23 about having a body, soul and spirit. And I think that's the best description, the closest that we can get to comprehending the triune God. We have a body which in the Greek is soma. So it's where we get the words like chromosome and um, psychosomatic. We have a soul, which in the Greek is the psyche. So it's who we are. It's our personality. And then we have our spirit, which in the Greek is pneuma. So it's the breath of life. And so we have three parts that make up one of us, each dependent on the other and working in unity with the other. So that's the closest we can concept the triune God, but we don't even come close. So today I'm going to talk about one of the icons of the spirit being the dove. So when I say dove, what comes to your mind? What's the first thing that comes to your mind when I say dove? Feel free to call it out and if it's the same as someone else, that's okay. I'm just interested in what your first thought is when I say dove. Peace? Trilogy? Purity, sorry. 
Freda? Yeah? Promise? Noah's Ark, very good. Gentleness, yeah. The rest of you just don't think? <laughs> so yeah, the dove conjures up a lot of images, isn't it? You know, the Holy Spirit, peace, Jesus' baptism, Noah's Ark, of course, the olive leaf in the, you know, in the mouth, love, weddings, purity, white. Um, Brownie, you disappointed me. I expected you to say Prince. I asked this question to Mark this week and he said roast I don't know when he's eaten roast dove but (laughs) so as you've just heard we associate the dove with a variety of things but did you know that in the Bible there's actually only one time that the dove is mentioned in connection with the Holy Spirit and that's when Jesus was baptised Interestingly, it's one of only a few events that are in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. So it must have been a fairly significant event for them to all have put it in their Gospels. So I'm going to read each one of them to you now. So Matthew 3, 16 to 17. As soon as Jesus was baptised, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Mark 1, 10 to 11. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Luke 3, 21 to 22. When all the people were being baptised, Jesus was baptised too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. John 1, 32 to 34. Then John, that's John the Baptist, gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptise with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain, this is the one who will baptise with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. So because of this one event, the dove has now been recognised as a symbol for the presence of the Holy Spirit. So it just goes to show how significant an event it was. And we see so many churches, organisations, charities, human rights places have a dove in their logo. And around the world, the dove is widely used as a symbol of peace. In the first Olympic Games after the end of World War I, doves were released as a symbol of peace between the nations. And this tradition continued right up until 1988. But this raises some questions. Why a dove? Why did the Holy Spirit descend like a dove? 
Or two, why does the dove symbolise peace? And lastly, if Jesus is God, why did he need to be baptised? And what what was the significance of the Holy Spirit descending on him after he was baptised? So I'll come back to the first two questions in a moment, but we'll start with why did Jesus need to be baptised and why did the Holy Spirit descend on him? What was the significance of that? So I don't know if you picked up on the verses we just read, but the Holy Spirit descending on him wasn't a temporary thing. John the Baptist said the Holy Spirit remained on him. In Philippians 2, 6-8 in the New Living Translation, it says, Though he, that's Jesus, was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. I love this passage of scripture. Such a beautiful picture of Jesus' humility, of his servitude and his love, his great love for you and for me. Jesus was both God and man. But in order to fully experience life as a man, he limited the use of his divine attributes. He chose to depend on the power of the Holy Spirit for his ministry. Prior to his baptism, he was just a regular man, son of a carpenter. His public ministry only began after the Holy Spirit descended and remained on him. And that's what gives us hope. We are called to be Christ-like, which means it's something that is attainable for us through the power of the Holy Spirit. If Jesus was purely God in the flesh, there's no way we can follow or live up to that. He was fully God and he was fully man. And he worked in obedience to the Father through the enabling of the Holy Spirit and this is the example he's given for us to follow to walk in obedience to the Father with the enabling of the Holy Spirit so why did Jesus need to be baptised? he hadn't sinned there was nothing to repent of in Matthew 3 when Jesus approaches John the Baptist to be baptised John says to him I'm the one who needs to be baptised by you why are you coming to me? And Jesus replies in verse 15, it should be done for we must carry out all that God requires. Another version says to fulfill all righteousness. So he wasn't saying that baptism is necessary for salvation nor to repent of anything. It's purely in obedience to the Father. Being baptised, Jesus was setting a precedent by which we can all live in obedience to the Father. So back to our initial question and our topic for the day, why a dove? Why did the Holy Spirit descend like a dove? I believe the main reason was to be a sign to John the Baptist that Jesus was the Messiah. As we read earlier, John 1, 32 to 34, then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, 
But the one who sent me to baptise with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptise with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. So it's a sign to John. But why a dove? The Bible actually isn't overly clear on the reason why, because that's all we find out about the Holy Spirit being represented as a dove. But as we heard earlier, some of the thoughts of what dove conjures up in our mind, when we think of God the Father, it's easy to visualise a father. When we think of Jesus the Son, it's easily easy to visit. Take this tongue out and put a new one in. It's easy to visualise that. But how do we visualise the Holy Spirit? I think this is why throughout Scripture we find the Holy Spirit is represented and manifests himself in so many different ways, like wind and fire and cloud and breath and dove. But it's important to note that the Bible does not say the Holy Spirit came as a dove. It wasn't an actual dove but like a dove. This same Greek word is used in some other scriptures. For instance, Jesus was moved with compassion for the people were like sheep without a shepherd. At Jesus' empty tomb, when the angel rolled back the stone, it says the angel's face was white as snow. And the guards who saw him trembled and became like dead men. So the guards weren't really dead. The angel didn't have snow on his face and the people weren't actually sheep. So it's, it's a symbolism. They're clearly metaphors. A dove can sometimes sim- symbolise purity or innocence, as we've heard. Later in Matthew's Gospel, Jesus instructs his disciples to be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. And the people of those day, of that day and those who were there at the baptism would also know that doves were used as sacrificial animals. They were used for a sin or a guilt offering. Or if one had become impure, such as a woman giving birth. A death was required as remission for sin. And if a person was poor and couldn't afford a lamb, they could use a dove as a substitute. A dove which was considered a clean animal. So perhaps the Holy Spirit descended like a dove as a symbol of Jesus' purity and innocence and testifying his worthiness to be our once-for-all sacrifice. And I guess it was a dove, not a lamb, because a lamb landing on him might have looked a bit funny. Moving right along. Okay, next question. Why does a dove symbolise peace? In 1949, after World War II, Spanish artist Pablo Picasso was invited to create an image representing peace to use as the emblem for the World Peace Congress in Paris. He painted a dove. This picture was modelled on a real dove. Later, he would evolve that design into the simple line drawing that is more recognisable today. And just as a side note, The dove impacted him so much that he named his daughter Paloma, which means dove in Spanish. You got that one for free. 
There was no mention of any, in any of the Gospel accounts of Jesus' baptism about the dove being a symbol of peace. So where has that come from? How did the dove come to symbolise peace? Who's heard of the law of first mention? Any Bible college students here? No one. Okay. So the law of first mention... One, sorry. <laughs> the law of first mention says that to understand a particular word or doctrine in the Bible, we must find the first place in Scripture that that word or doctrine occurs and study that. For example, the blood of the lamb, which the Israelites used on their doorposts so that the angel of death wouldn't, would pass over and not kill their firstborn son in the Exodus narrative, which we've just been studying as a church, becomes a picture of Christ who is identified as the Lamb of God. And John the Baptist says in John 1, he says, here is the Lamb of God. And he's referred to that in many times throughout the New Testament. So the first mention of a dove and also the first mention of the Holy Spirit both actually occur in Genesis, which is the book of beginnings. Who can tell me where the first mention of a dove is? Noah's Ark, yes. So once the waters began to recede, Noah sent out a dove from the ark and it came back having found nowhere to land. Seven days later, he sent out another dove, which came back with an olive branch in its mouth, indicating that new life was beginning on earth and God's judgment waters were receding. And it's because of this that the dove and the olive branch have become symbolic for peace. You know, we'll often say, I extended the olive branch to someone when you're trying to reconcile. The floodwaters of God's judgment have gone. The old sinful life has gone and new life has begun, just like baptism. 1 Peter 3, 18 to 22, Peter describes baptism. Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. He suffered physical death, but he was raised to life in the spirit. So he went and preached to the spirits in prison, those who disobeyed God long ago, when God waited patiently while Noah was building his boat. Only eight people were saved from drowning in that terrible flood. And that water is a picture of baptism, which now saves you, not by removing dirt from your body, but as a response to God from a clean conscience. It is effective because of the resurrection of Christ. Now Christ has gone to heaven. He is seated in the place of honour next to God and all the angels and authorities and powers accept his authority. So we see that the ark is a picture of Christ and all who were in the ark were saved from the waters of judgment. As now, we are saved from God's judgment when we are in Christ and following him. And baptism and communion are two things where it's a tangible reminder for us of what God has done for us. Often you'll hear baptism described as like a wedding ring. Wearing a wedding ring doesn't make you married, but it lets the world know 
that you are married. And baptism's like that. Baptism doesn't save you, but when we're baptised, we're being obedient to God and we're showing the world that we are his followers. And baptism is a picture of us being buried with Christ and raised again with him. I'm crucified with Christ, but it's no longer I that live, but he that lives in me. Another first mention in Genesis is the Holy Spirit. In fact, right in the very second verse of the first chapter, Genesis 1-2, the earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the deep waters and the Spirit of God was hovering, or some versions say brooding, over the surface of the waters. So once again, we get a metaphor of a bird, but not just a picture of a bird, of one brooding expectant, ready to begin the work of the Father. So to tie this all together, at Jesus' baptism, we see a beautiful picture of the triune God. Jesus is being obedient to the Father. The Father is declaring his pleasure and the Holy Spirit is brooding, expectant, ready to begin the work of the Father through Jesus. Jesus never did or said anything that didn't come directly from the Father. And the only reason he could do a lot of what he did, especially going to the cross, was because of the Holy Spirit guiding him, enabling him, empowering him. And right now the Spirit of God is here. He's brooding. He's waiting, wanting you to take the next stage in your walk with God. He wants to enable you to do whatever it is that Father God is calling you to do. Maybe you're not sure of what God's calling you to do. Maybe you're about to make a major decision, to sign a contract, start a new relationship, change jobs, move house, have that conversation, make that purchase, but you don't know whether to or not. Before you do anything, stop. Ask the Holy Spirit to lead you. One of the fruits of the Holy Spirit is peace. And this is often how he'll lead us. You know, the fruits of the Spirit are not something we have to try and attain. They are fruits of the Spirit. So all we have to do is be buried with Christ and come up and allow the Holy Spirit to empower us, to be our strength, to be our joy, to be our peace, to be our gentleness, to be our patience, and all the other fruits. Think about the decision you're about to make. Do you have peace? Or are you lacking peace? The Holy Spirit is gentle, like a dove. And he leads us with his peace. If you're feeling agitated, worried, unsettled, if there's no peace in your heart, it's time to re-evaluate your next steps. The Holy Spirit leads us through peace. The Holy Spirit enables us when we're obedient to the Father. The Holy Spirit is working with you, not against you. 
If you're feeling condemned or a failure or unloved, if you're feeling unsettled, angry, depressed or agitated, that's not the Holy Spirit. You're being lied to by the devil. He is out to steal, kill and destroy. But Jesus has come to give us abundant life and it's only available through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will always bring peace. Maybe I've jumped the gun. Maybe you haven't even invited Jesus into your heart to be Lord and Saviour of your life. So I want to use this opportunity to introduce you to him. I'm just going to ask us all to bow our heads as we pray. And if you can repeat after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you that you died for me. I thank you that you died for my sins. And I am so sorry for all the things I've done wrong. I ask you to become Lord in my life. I invite the Holy Spirit to lead me. I thank you for who you are. And I give you praise. Amen. If you've prayed that prayer for the very first time, I encourage you to come speak to myself or Pastor Andrew or Pastor Rachel so that we can pray with you and talk a bit more with you. But if you need to sense the peace of the Holy Spirit in your life, if there's something that is just, there's a decision you need to make or, or you're just feeling agitated at the moment by whatever's going on in your life, I'm just going to get Tam to put on a song for us and I encourage you during this time to just reach out to the Holy Spirit. Ask him for his peace. Ask him to lead you, to guide you. And if you feel the need to come down the front, if you feel the need to lay down your life before the altar, you are most welcome to come and stand or sit at the front. Thanks, Tam. <laughs>